Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which don't count. Dan, I might challenge your initial statement, but I'm going to wait until the Slack segment before we get into that, okay? I'm just, you know, just want to bait our, our listeners now. I am I am dreading this segment more than I ever have. Uh, I I, uh, I I just I like I almost want to cancel this podcast right now because I I have a suspicion of what's coming. Uh, right. Anyway, everybody, welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Yeah, and this podcast exists because of the support of our Patreon members. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep this podcast going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com. There's a big old button there that says Patreon on it, and you can click on it and consider joining our Patreon, where I will say, like Mark, Season six of the show has already started on the Patreon. Heck, we've even got an interview with Ron Friends and Tom DeFalco up there that you can listen to early. So if you're desperate for Mark and I's much delayed season six, you know, it's it's already happening on the Patreon. Yeah, but we could refer to it as the baby season, right? I mean, it's yeah, like- there you go. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the delayed baby season. All right. Well, today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, Number 21. This issue was written by Zeb Wells. The interior and cover pencils are by John Romita Jr., inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Marcio Menez, and of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue was first released on March 8th. 2023. Mark, this is the issue that says on the cover that has been much anticipated, and I think fairly accurately, we've been waiting to find out what happened in this, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, number 21. Sure thing, Dan. I just hope my recap is as anticipated as this issue is. (laughs) We start on what I have to imagine is the typical morning in the life of Peter Parker, The sun is shining, birds are chirping, he's relaxing in bed until he realizes it's a work day and he needs to haul his rear to his good buddy, Norman Osborns. Totally typical, totally cool. Speaking of typical, we switch to Mary Jane getting her two children, Owen and Stephanie, ready for a day at the park. Cool, 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 cool. We got Owen's name, but I thought that the girl was Romy. Maybe Romita is her middle name. Who knows? 
Anyway, Owen decided he no longer likes the park, while Stephanie, Romy, other child, questions multiple times if clown has if clowns have ears. All the clowns have ears down here, Stephanie. Paul <laughs> arrives at the scene to do pretty much nothing, typical dad, and MJ bemoans the fact that they are never leaving this house. Peter is walking to work and enjoying the sunshine, but cut away to Mary Jane and family, and it's starting to snow. What? Snow? This time of year? In this economy? Only if it's L.A., Mark, where uh, we got snow a couple weeks ago. So, <laughs> that uh, you know, like, it, it sometimes snows in April, and it sometimes snows in Los Angeles. That's pretty crazy, but maybe not as crazy as what's about to come next in this issue, because something doesn't seem right. And right on cue, there's a twister and a shadow within that twister, leading Paul to identify the shadow as him. The Scribble Man is back. Paul and MJ apparently have a drill for just this situation, and Paul takes the kids and MJ stares, jaw open. She then calls Peter and indeed, quote unquote, he came back. Which brings us to one year earlier. Even though the recap page said a year and a half ago, never mind, Mark. Just move on. Okay, okay. Oh, so let's 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 put our heads headsets on here, Dan. Remember a year ago, random groceries at the stores were either in short supply or cost twelve times as much as they usually do, and the bulk of Americans were ignoring the fact that we were in the midst of a raging pandemic. So much has changed in a year, Dan, and I imagine no. so much has changed in this year, right? Anyway. <laughs> Don't I know it, yes. <laughs> we flash to a jail cell to a character named Rabin. Rabin, Rabin, Rabin. Where have I heard that name before? I bet Dan knew exactly who Rabin was before Marvel Editorial told us, and he's going to have the full Dan Splane breakdown after the synopsis to prove it to me. Well, since I'm a little slower to tie those loose ends together from stories that are 15 years old, I'll just say Rabin seems like a pretty bad dude, having killed a bunch of people in his jail cell. He's also talking about someone called Kuhal Aja, pronunciation not verified, and oh man, this sounds like some <laughs> secret scroll stuff, Dan. Rabin sacrifices someone else, and then we cut back to the very ending of Amazing Spider-Man number 884, when a mysterious figure shrouded in light appears in front of Peter and MJ, prompting Nick Lowe to ask us if we remember that happening. Well, now that you mentioned it for the first time in 35 issues, I sure do remember now. So yes, this man was Rabin, and he came looking to kill Peter so he could conduct more of his bloody, bloody math. I gotta admit, I'm still not connecting the dots here, but I just have to imagine Dan sitting at home reading this and just exploding from excitement over the deep cut pull going on here. Right, Dan? Absolutely. Couldn't wait. Okay. <laughs> just bursting with anticipation. Spidey! and Rabin fights some more until he kicks him out of the building onto the street below where he lands in an explosion of light. Spidey lays the smackdown some more until Rabin reveals himself. A double page spread with some flashback images shows us this is the guy Spidey and Wolverine fought during the brand new day era when there was a blizzard in New York City. Thanks, look back low. So it seems that Rabin is a little aggravated by the fact that the last time he appeared in a comic, Spider-Man cost him the opportunity to connect with his deity and become an emissary, and really, who can blame him? So Spidey has been marked for vengeance, and just to add another layer to the drama, we find out that another, aka Mary Jane Watson, no longer Parker, 
has been marked for a sacrifice. MJ, after a brief costume change in the midst of a life-threatening battle, notices the marking on her wrist, and by touching it, it transports her, her and Peter somewhere, and that's where we end this issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Woof, Mark, what a what a long recap there, but a lot of, was packed into this issue, um, which to me like says like a lot of what I want to say about this issue, which is, I think they're kind of cooking with fire here or cooking with gas. Is that the thing? I mean, they're cooking with something. Yeah. I mean, and it's 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 igniting something. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're getting right into it. I thought this was a really exciting issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Now, you know, I'm not going to go all like laying out the red string and taping stuff up on the walls. I do think it is notable that this issue really pulls so heavily from really old 15 years old issues of Amazing Spider-Man for such a major event. For those who don't know, Zeb Wells was part of the brand new day Spider-Man team and his first, you know, issues on the book were Amazing Spider-Man's numbers 555 and 557 all the way back in 2008. And that was the story that introduced a majority of the characters that we see in this issue. And I expect that we're going to see over the next, what, five more issues of this story. And, you know, that's like 400 issues ago. That sounds maybe perhaps more exaggerated than 15 years ago. But either way, that's a, that's a long way to go for, you know, people who haven't read that story or who did and forgot it just like Spider-Man did in this very issue where he doesn't recognize uh, Raven or Rabin. So Mark, what was your kind of initial reaction when you picked up this book and, and discovered that? I mean, I had seen in the solicits that this was coming. So I, you know, was excited about it, having being a fan of that old ish, series or story and went back and reread those. But I know that you don't look at the solici- solicitations so what was it like reading an issue like this for the first time? Yeah, I mean, as as we discovered during the available available Allen and and Mischievous mischievous Mark uh, period, I do not read solicits. I mean, no one who's normal reads solicits, but you read solicits, Dan, and I love you for it. So, I mean, I'm glad that you can bring the fire and thunder to these conversations because you actually did your homework. I mean, as as in my case, I had to go back and reread those issues following reading this issue of Amazing Spider-Man because I was like, I do not remember this story for the life of me. I even went back to I do remember recapping it, Chasing Amazing, back when I I ran that site because I was doing a read through a brand new day at the time. And, you know, my 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 as I read that recap, I was like, okay, I remember some of this, but like the nitty gritty of the details were totally lost on me. So I, I, you know, like, hey, it's. It's all it all counts, you know. We're not talking about like what, is, what issues count per se, but like this this is all story. It's all mythology that that we can pull from. It makes sense that Zeb Wells, you know, in this major arc that he's been, you know, basically unfurling over the last year and change in Amazing Spider-Man, it, it makes sense that he would go back to his first story from Amazing Spider-Man to start connecting some dots, but. I do want to say, and, and you know, I'm not about to give it a grade right now, but I, I enjoyed reading this issue tremendously. But like all the details from this storyline did not click with me until I went back and reread it. It's a, it's a bold, a bold choice to do for a story of this nature so many years later. But, you know, like 
let's see where it goes, right? I mean, like, I, I don't want to cast judgment on whether or not they should be pulling from something like this until I see how it all unfurls. I want to talk a little bit about what happens in Amazing Spider-Man 555 and 557 for those who haven't read that story or those who need that recap. But I will, like, you know, in terms of judging this issue on its own, I, I don't think a lot of those details are really necessary to fully understand. Like, you know, th there is a lot of magical mumbo jumbo, but I think, like, the basic elements of it are clear. Like, whatever it is, this guy wants to become a god. He needs... X, Y, and Z, like, it, you know, the, the the details of it, I don't think are super necessary to just jump on board and appreciate this story on its own. That might not be the case as it goes forward. And Mark, you and I can make fun of it for being obsessed with secret scrolls. I, I, I don't think that this is quite Spider-Verse level of creating all these different MacGuffins that we're asked to care about that we don't really care about the this is a life or death battle and to me that's the stakes rather than like who's got what marking on their head and so on and so forth you don't need to know these comics like like gospel in order to enjoy this comic it's just you know in going i i will say in going back and rereading post this is, you know, new issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I, you know, and I was even, you know, texting you before the show, like, you know, certain panels and stuff. And I'm like, now I can kind of, having read it, I can, or reread it, I can kind of see where this might be going. And so it's useful from that standpoint, but hey, like you don't need to read it. And I, I'm going to assume going forward, you're not going to need to read it, but like it might, it might give you a little bit clue about the, the machinations of how what's about to happen is happening. So anyway, why don't you give, give your recap of it, Dan? Yeah, sure. So in this story, a blizzard takes over Manhattan and Spidey and Wolverine save a man named Rabin or Rabin, however pronouncing it, who is attacked by a group of Mayan warriors. Spider-Man and Wolverine intervene thinking that these Mayan warriors are the bad guys and the police arrive and take the Mayans and uh, Rabin into prison. But, uh, you know, in a, in a pretty well-constructed twist, I think it turns out that Rabin is actually the bad guy and is trying to assume the powers of a Mayan God named Wyep, who is the God of death and to become something called Kuhul Ajaw. Again, pronunciation aside, which is basically this God's emissary on on Earth. And Rabin, as he does in this issue, is using it, what he calls like math or advanced calculus to, and symbology to determine uh, like that he needs to sacrifice a woman so that he can bond with Wyep. And in that comic, it's Carly Cooper because she's in the police station that he's currently being held at. And he also like identifies Peter as something called the sun-blooded clown priest. We don't get a lot of information about what what that is. Like maybe it's related to the radioactivity in his body, the sun-blooded thing, and that he needs to act quickly during something called the Uayep cycle, which actually is, you know, I looked up is like apparently a real thing where uh, in Maya, Maya culture, where they believe the dimensional barriers between uh, Earth and this place called Zibalba, which is basically the realm of the dead in Mayan culture, which also gets name checked in this most recent story. 
And so Wyep, like this, who is a, a demon god from Zibalba, again, also part of my uh, tr uh, tradition. I, I did a lot of Googling. He uh, start, he shows up, Spidey and a group of uh, homeless war veterans attack uh, Wyep to kind of stave him off from uh, Carly Cooper and from Rabin. And they stall just long enough for the sun to come up and the ritual to be canceled. And then Spidey beats the hell out of Rabin, who then declares that he will be back in the future when the stars align to start the ritual again, which I imagine is what we're seeing happen in present day of Spider-Man comics. Well, a, y a year ago, present day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and forget about the whole like sliding timeline thing. It's been 15 years in, in our world. Who knows how long it's been in Spidey's world. So that's kind of the gist of it. You know, I, I, I outline all this because one, I think this is actually a really fun story. And I know your chasing ama amazing post about it was kind of like mixed on it. But I got to admit, for me, this was the story where, like, I think I fully bought into Brand New Day as a concept. You know, for all the positive things we say about it now, at the time, I was pretty furious about One More Day. And, you know, I think we can look back on that first Dan Slot arc as being pretty solid. But it definitely was kind of like sticking it in our faces, like with the Peter kissing another woman like it was it was a lot to 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 take, you know, uh, in the wake of one more day. If you were, you know, someone that as much as we like to beat up on people who are obsessed about the marriage, like it was a big, you know, change that like, you know, I think it took a while. And there were some rocky stories at the beginning there with like uh, jackpot and freak. And to me, this was like the first like truly like like artful story that I, I, I got caught up in the world of, you know, and, and that might be just like Chris Bacalo's art, which is, I think at his peak Spider-Man art in, in this uh, three issue run. And I kind of just was like, these are good Spider-Man comics. And, you know, that might've been the start of my journey of realizing, like, I care more about good Spider-Man comics than I do about any, particular status quo for the character. So I'm, I'm curious your impression back in the day and having reread it this week, what do you think about this story? You know, that's the thing. I mean, like it's it, it's it's different strokes for different folks, I guess. I mean, I, I, I do like this story in a vacuum, but like I think overall, like I I, I read this and my my big takeaways was I, I I mean, at the time, I remember being impressed with Wells as a writer, because I think, you know, prior to that, I kind of knew Wells as like, you know, there was that issue of like Peter Parker, Spider-Man. It was like beach blanket bingo or something like that. And I was like, oh, this 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 book is just is just is kind of trashy. And and I, I was like, oh, wait, no, he can like write a serious Spider-Man story that's both humor, full of humor, but also like the right kind of humor. I mean, we talked about that in our in our last episode with with Joe Kelly in terms of what is the kind of humor that really clicks here. And I feel like from a humor standpoint, this clicks. I read this story and kind of felt it was some of like the extension of mysticism that uh, JMS had introduced. But like I, I still found like with the Moreland and Ezekiel and even the other stuff when when JMS did it, it was rooted in more humanity and and at least with Peter and his reaction to it. And because this was less about Peter and more just about this other guy, Rabin, and 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 his his machinations and, and rituals and whatnot, I was just kind of like, all right. I, I, I mean, like, admittedly, 
like I'm not a a huge fan of like mystical stories within the Marvel universe. It's I, I, I do like things that are a little more grounded or if they're not grounded, I, I, I like things that are a little more cosmic in terms of like space stuff. I felt this was very this was a good version of a of a kind of story I don't typically like. If that <laughs> okay. makes sense, fair <laughs> that's enough. Why, that's why it's mixed. It's like this is this was well done, but like like if I went back and thought of like my favorite brand new day era stories, I would not pull this one first. And is that is that still consistent today? Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I mean, like I agree with you that this kind of after not a rocky start to brand new day, but like you said, like. There was those first few issues where they were clearly trying to both establish what the new status quo was and, and yes, rub our face in it a little bit. I felt this was the first story where it was just like, nope, we're, we're just telling stories again, man. I mean, kind of like what we got with Zeb Wells here. I mean, like when this whole run started, I mean, you know, we had this like shock of what did Peter do? And, you know, the the cover with... MJ and 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 Peter on the outs and you know like it enraged people and got people upset but the fact of the matter was when he just started telling the tombstone story it was great i appreciated that this was the first arc where we were just we're just telling stories here man we're not we're not worried about you know jackpot or or freak or or worried you know who all the relationship dynamics i mean we get like harry in here for a little bit but like even that it's not like I don't think it's weirdly in our face like that Harry is back. It was good in that regard, but it's still not my 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 favorite of the run. I mean, I think of things like the um and I I can't remember the villain's name, but like the 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 paparazzi villain. Is it paparazzi? Was that her name? I'm trying to remember. Um it's a dance lot story. Well, I was think I thought maybe at first you were talking about Paper Doll. Paper uh, Doll, Paper Doll. Yes, yes, yes. There's that one and anyway, point being Good, not great story for me, but that's because of my own personal taste in terms of the kind of story it was. So sure, and I I really like it. I I mean, I, there's definitely things I would ding it for, but like it it it's got a great like New York sensibility to it. You know, it's the kind of snow story that actually really leans into that environment for Spider Man. But th- that all being said, I think it's like if if you haven't read it and you're enjoying what's going on in the Wells run, I do think it would add a lot to this current story. But I also want to say how much I appreciate the new story for, I mean, in some regards, like I think I could ding the new story for being very repetitive of this, but I also think it provides a really like solid grounding if you haven't read this to getting into the Rabin, Wyep, you know, Maya, you know, mythology, which also exists in other Marvel comics. Wyep apparently had made appearances elsewhere, which I didn't know about post the story in Amazing Spider-Man. I, I, I just would recommend people go check it out if they're enjoying this or they want to learn more. But I also want to commend this new issue for not relying like entirely on you having a thorough knowledge like me repeating all that stuff is to say like even reading that original story a lot of the mysticism stuff I don't think it's meant to make a lot of sense you know it's again just like this issue it's a life and death stakes and as long as you get the basic gist of it you know it's it's grounded in like Spider-Man being a person a normal person being like this is all mumbo jumbo and like I, I can only get so involved in it I'm just here to save Carly Cooper and, and I think the same is true in, in this story. And, and that's what I think makes this story like really strong 
as a first issue of a, of a, of a new arc. Let's move on to the actual content of Amazing Spider-Man number 21. You know, we open with this framing mechanism uh, that you mentioned in your recap of like Peter and MJ kind of having like a normal day, if you will, and kind of mirroring each other. I have to say, I was really happy to see that we weren't just going to be starting in a flashback, you know, like as if we were just going to get the issues that some would argue probably should have started this run, but that we are getting a framing mechanism both in the present and the past, to me suggests that there's a reason narratively why they wanted to tell this story this way. And I enjoyed like, you know, having the knowledge in the future and watching how it played out in the past. It it adds stakes to, to this whole thing and I think makes it not just like something like uh, one moment in time where you're just looking at something they told they decided not to tell you, but uh, in this way the framing I think actually adds a lot to the kind of potency of the flashbacks. Uh, what do you think? With that said, I mean this is unquestionably flashback storytelling, and like there's something to be said about you know could they have started seeding some of this earlier in this run, and we could talk about that maybe at the end of this of this arc to see how it was fully executed. But, but you're right in terms of like, it, it's not just like, okay, guys, you know, we've been baiting you for 20 issues and now we're going to, we're going to tell this story one year earlier, which is kind of what I thought was we were going to get. It, it is interesting to see like when Rabin comes back, you know, all of the players that have been crucial to this run so far you know, it's like they know who this is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess the only one we haven't seen a reaction from so far is Norman Osborn. And I imagine that's coming next. Paul Paul has that line of, I, I remember how this works. I'll find you when they're safe, which is was a very curious piece of dialogue that we could talk about. It's interesting kind of like dual timeline storytelling here, which kind of in its own way makes sense where you know considering where i think this is going in terms of timelines and and other universes opening up and things like that based on again going back to the 555 to 557 run so anyway what did you think of that that scene with paul though i mean it's definitely really weird like there's something up with paul and the kids you know like i mean beyond i mean you could read it just that's like he's like hey i'll come and help you out once the kids are safe because there are top priorities but like I think the implication is that like this guy Rabin and the kids are in some way connected. That that was my that was my read. Was that your read? Oh, one hundred percent. I would think about it the way we would we think about you know not not to touch this third rail. Think about the redheaded child in in one more day. You know what I mean? Like these are things that are now because of. Whatever Peter did and whatever Rabin has the power to do, I, I, I'll put it to you like that. That's kind of my read of the situation right now. And it's it's worth noting that like Rabin is significantly powered up in this scene. Like he like summons like a tornado down onto New York City. And I thought like artistically beautifully rendered between J.R.J.R. and Marcio Menez, the like that, you know, we see the snow starting to fall on MJ and Paul and the kids and Peter, you know, is kind of like parallel aligned, in, you know, panel wise with MJ. And, but he's got sun casting down on him. I mean, 
I, I just thought it sold the drama of that scene so wonderfully as it builds up to MJ shouting that he's back. Like, uh, I mean, what talk about a really like loaded um, opening now to add on to the miss. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say let me just push in on that, because what I was going to say, I know you, you commended Bacalo's art in the original run, but like I feel like this is where the gifts of storytelling from John Romita Jr. really come into play, because like, you know, he has that ability, I think, to to capture like these otherworldly threats. But because of again, like there's there is a rawness to especially when it comes to fighting and violence with Ramita that he just like you know like 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 those the the punches and the and the crashing through buildings it all felt very real and raw and I think that's what added even more to the drama of this it's it, it's not just like oh Peter's fighting a god you know what I mean it's like it, it, it you know like it, it, if I, I felt I felt the hits I felt the 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 the, the carnage from my you know not that not that carnage I, <laughs> I, I, the the carnage of of what was happening in this comic and that's that's all due to Ramita I mean like it, I, I, yes like he it could be argued that Rabin is more powered here than he was the first time around but I think a lot of that has to do with just how well Ramita captured him and then captured the action that came from him well, I think, you know, just talking about this open scene and I'm, we'll definitely go talk about the flashback stuff in a moment. The other thing that really sells this and, and I think it's like one of the major downsides to this, the way this run is laid out. And so I'm, I'm both commending and knocking it is, you know, within the, the Ramita issues, we've only really seen Spider-Man go up against like what I would consider like fairly street level thugs, whether it be Tombstone or a power uh, elevated angry vulture, you know, um, and the Hobgoblin, you know, but then to see Ramita now like elevate it to the threat of like a God, sensibly, it, it, it has an extra punch because like they did such a great job of like grounding Spider-Man's power set in the opening Ramita stuff. On the downside of this issue is we got something like Dark Web, which was so huge and, again, like powers of God stuff. Like, I could only, you know, I I think in my mind I've largely ignored the existence of Dark Web. But yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glossing over it in my brain as I read <laughs> this. I got to be honest. Yeah, but like, you know, if, if the whole run had been fairly grounded up to this point, I do think this would have had more punch to it in regards to not only the scale of this bad guy, because it was only a couple issues ago, we saw all of New York taken over by like limbo demons and, and King chasm, but also that like and to, we're skipping ahead to the end of this issue where they're in another dimension, like uh, of the dead. It's like, well, didn't we just get that in limbo? So, you know, it, it, it dark web, I think really does steal a lot of not, not steal the thunder, but it's like, uh, like, you know, uh, it, it's only more reason to say the dark web was a real aberration, I think, in the middle of this run that was just poorly timed, according to all of this. Uh, I don't have any reactions to that. I almost just don't count dark web right now. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know that's not fair. It all counts, as as I so, so said so, so, uh, earlier in this episode. But, like, there's a part of me that kind of just feels like... <laughs> When it comes to the stuff that is most pertinent in this run, it's it's the Wells and Ramita stuff. And, and like I'm kind of judging on, you know, like how this gauges with all of that. And, you know, like 
that might be a, a cop out in terms of analysis, but like that's how I'm I I choose to judge it for my own enjoyment. So that's where I'm gonna stay with. <laughs> They're just so much more elevated over the other stuff, and you know that's not to say I haven't liked some of it. Like issue ten, I thought was a really wonderful tie-in, you know, to Judgment Day. The the yeah, the Ramita stuff is just on a whole other level. I did want to make one final note about this opening, and we were talking about the kind of curiosity around the kids. I think it is worth noting that Romy or Stephanie or whatever we're calling her, you know, which is definitely an editorial snafu, whether whether it's her nickname or not, like it is weird to not clear that up in 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 a way. But it's not enough that I'm going to like weep about it. This is the same comic that called uh, uh, Peter Parker, Peter Palmer uh, right out of the gate. I don't know that this is anything, but it seems curious to me that, you know, uh, Rabine identifies Peter as the sun-blooded clown priest. And then we've got this young character asking over and over again that she's deep in thought about do clowns have ears? And, you know, the I think it's the word clown that kind of like signaled that to me. And then, like, I think about, like, you know, the colors of Peter, they're kind of clown-like in costume as Spider-Man, and he doesn't have ears when his mask is on. I don't know if that's what it's referring to, but it seems more than coincidental to me, and I kind of want to keep my eyes on, like, why is she asking about this all of a sudden? And is it related to Spider-Man in some way? So who knows? I fully expect a very long thread on Twitter from you with images <laughs> over the years of Spider-Man's ears. Um, so, you know, go, 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 go for it, Dan. Um, yeah, but this, no, this, yeah, but, this has the potential to be just as significant as the lookouts. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway. Well, Mark, about, I, I have a sense that you're dying to get to talk about the slack. And this time I'm not actually joking about it. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Dan, it's funny, like, you've always been encouraging me to get involved in the Slack, and let me tell you, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. I have been appearing a lot more in the Slack, Dan. And, and what has that meant for you and, and your and your uh, well-being, Dan? Well, you know, <laughs> Mark, I was going to pretend like I don't know what actually happened in the Slack this week because at the time I wrote the script out, I didn't know what you were about to pull out. But then, lo and behold, last night, I think even after I had gone to sleep, Mark unveiled his master plan in the Slack. Do I regret inviting you to the Slack? You'll never get me to tell. Mark teased in the Slack, hey, I just made a purchase that might make Dan very upset. And uh, <laughs> then did not follow up on that for a number of days. That sent me reeling because what could this possibly mean? <laughs> what is Mark going to pull out? What comic is he going to reveal? What Spider-Man ends of the earth is he going to... Is he going to suggest I need to own so that my collection is complete? And Mark, I don't think I was very far off in what you, your, your intent was. You know, uh, I'm man enough to concede that you have won one over on me. Mark, <laughs> tell, tell the listeners at home what you pulled out. Well, well, let me set the stage first. Dan. All right, so, let's. And, uh, and, yeah, and, and, I'm gonna, and, I'm gonna be over here taking a drink. And okay, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> 
Well, no. So uh, admittedly, um, about a week or two ago, I started to my comic book collection, you know, more specifically with new comics, but even like some stuff that I've been picking up at like cons over the last year and stuff like that. it, It is a disorganized mess. I mean, outside of like the main ASM collection, I have not been doing a good job in in archiving and 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 you know bundling up these issues and stuff like that. So I'm kind of in a in a spring cleaning mode, if you will. And and one of the apps that I use to help with that is the the CLZ app, which is something that you actually introduced to me a couple of years ago. I mean, this is one of the it's an app. I keep it on my phone. I can I can either scan in the barcode or or manually input an issue of a comic book I own and where I keep it and what box it's in and all that kind of stuff. And even you know if you get an extension. It tells you the value of the comic, which you have to pay extra for. But I, you know, as a long-term collector, I like to know what my comics are worth. So, was going through the app, and at one point, I was I was going back to check over ASM just to see what the values were and stuff like that. And I, you know, and I think when I first opened the app, this 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 kind of gnawed at me a little bit. But I noticed that there was technically an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, the main series, not an annual, not a giant size, not a an end of the earth one shot, but like in the stream of issues, according to CLZ, of of one to four hundred and forty-one that I did not have. And that comic in question was Amazing Spider-Man negative one which was part of a run of flashback issues that Marvel did and I think it was 1995 every Spider-Man series had a negative one issue so this was preceding you know it's it's proto learning to crawl you know in terms of uh, the timeline you know I, I went back and I looked at that and I was like oh man it still says I don't have an issue of Amazing Spider-Man and you know I, I, I just said you know whatever i'm gonna go online i'm gonna find this issue and i'm gonna buy it and, <laughs> and i think at some point in the midst of this i i might have asked you do you own this one and you're like no and i'm like okay well i'm not gonna say anything because uh, <laughs> i really just want to twist the knife in here oh it was like coming right at me <laughs> I, I mean you know like you look out uh, <laughs> And you know, it it, it came. It arrived in the mail last night, and yeah, I I, I shared it with the Slack that I, there was an issue of Amazing Spider-Man that I had purchased to complete my collection, and it's an issue that Dan does not own. So yes, as I alluded to in our intro, Dan, when you say I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, according to CLZ, you do not own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but now I do. But at least you have all the annuals and you have that one free comic book day issue that I don't have. So you can hold that over me for the time being. So, And I have all of the amazing Scarlet Spider issues. Oh, I have those too. Oh, I've had damn those it. for a while. I thought yeah, I thought I, I thought so I, cl- look here. <laughs> here so I close. am. Here, here I am. My good my good friend, Mark, my very good friend, Mark. He's, he's, he's harboring these secrets from, from me. He's not sharing in the love. You know, an opportunity for us to both purchase this at the same time so that we can finally end our our bickering. I'm sending beautiful hardcover books of Spider-Man to Mark's house just out of a friendly whim because I care about my good friend Mark. And then my good friend Mark decides I'm going to nuke his apartment from orbit. And look, I'm I'm man enough to say when I've been beaten. And look... (laughs) I, I known about the existence of this issue. I've not encountered it in the wild, so I never bought it. 
you know, and if I if I had thought it was that big of a priority, I might have jumped on it online myself. But, uh, you know, it's a minus one issue. Like, you know, I didn't know we were counting negatives. Like, do we count the imaginary issues of, 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 of Spider-Man? Like, because those are infinite, Mark. Like, imaginary numbers, you know, like I haven't even gotten into that territory yet. I will tell you that I did a Google last night. Is there an amazing Spider-Man number zero? Just to see if I can catch you in, in some other slip-up. And there's not, <laughs> although uh, some people c- count the free comic book day before the Spencer run as zero for some reason or other. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I know. I know. Weird. But I have that. But I'm man enough to say, Mark, you in the slack, enjoy your enjoy. Enjoy this period of of happiness. And you know <laughs> what's being purchased later today? Amazing What's Spider-Man that? minus one. I will have yeah. that in my in my uh, in my hands by our next episode. I will not let you gloat for more than a week. But but I, this week you've got it. And, and let I, it be said, I am a gracious loser. I I appreciate that. And let's just say you know there might have been a part of me when um, when I was buying this and not telling you think where my brain was thinking back to the episode where I finally got every annual and you said what about the planet of the symbiote super special and I was just like you suck of Austin okay um, well so, turn, you know. turn about is fair play turn about is fair play well any, anyway yeah. congratulations Mark on finally Thank completing you. your collection Thank you. I will I will long... be com- it was a long, hard journey. Um, you know, like a lot of dedication went into this. You know, finding this issue was a lot of work, but you know, I'm glad to be here. And you know, when you catch up, Dan, I will also celebrate you and 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 the gifts that you bring to your collection. Well, so, I'm expecting go. a celebration later this week. Let's just say that. And uh, here's here's the real question, Mark: Have you read said issue yet? No. <laughs> will I'll, you I'll, read I'll look- it? I'll look at it tonight, sure. There we go, there we go. Well, anyway, uh, if you want to join in on conversations like that, God help us all, uh, come join our Slack. There's a link in the description to this episode that'll get you in there, and uh, it's a fun place to be, even if it is just dunking on me nine out of ten times. (laughs) And the Slack, I'll say, is very much in favor of Mark on this one. So, uh, you know, I think think it's been a long time coming. You know what? Like, we each have our victories. Like, I'll take Tom Brevoort calling out your collection as being incomplete but you can have the minus one i'm i'm more than happy to concede on 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 that level you know you're 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 a good person and and you have a lot of integrity dan so i appreciate that <laughs> i'm gonna hold on to that for a while too okay uh, well let's get back to talking about amazing spider-man number 21 So, like, we we go to the flashback, which is decidedly one year earlier, not a year and a half earlier. I don't know how you slip up on that, given you gave it a two-page spread to announce (laughs) that it was a a year earlier. But here we are, and um, we go right back to the events of Amazing Spider-Man 93 and the kind of reintroduction of Raven. Tell me what you thought of this whole sequence uh, as it played out. You know, again, I thought that and we we alluded to this in the beginning, but like I feel like the the, the stakes and the the actual threat level of Rabin were were really well 
depicted here were really well laid out. Like I, I, you know, there was there was a palatable fear from his first appearance, and then as we go, we went into the flashback zone, like, and I probably would have thought this at the time. I probably thought this at the time as well, but like even more so now in retrospect, like I, I feel it felt like Moreland. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Moreland is the best analogy in terms of like. Like, oh, man, like, what? what is this guy going to do? And it's it's funny, kind of, <laughs> when you do go back, it's like Peter does, or Spider-Man does kind of, once, once you know, the, the ceremony doesn't happen the way it is, he, he takes him out pretty easily. I don't know, something about the way he's depicted here, it's like, it, it feels like the stakes are higher. He's, he's even more ticked off because of what happened, how many years or months ago in, in, in chronology that this is supposed to happen. In, in in my attempt to both fill in the gaps of what we're about to find out, for, you know, the what did Peter do? It's like you really get a sense like, oh, man, this guy can cause some real damage here. And he probably did. And that's why we are where we are right now. Like like it, it all clicks together and makes sense. It's not like nothing doesn't feel unearned. It's not like some weird random threat emerges that doesn't actually feel built up. And it's like, oh, so this is what screws up this timeline. OK, like this feels this feels like it should be it, you know, like, yeah. And, 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 and any kind of like reader discrepancy there in regards to like, oh my God, this was out of nowhere is echoed by Peter and Mary Jane, you know, like it's not, not acknowledged by the comic. I will say like uh, the reason that Peter is able to uh, dispatch of, uh, of Revan uh, in the original comic so quickly is because the ceremony ends and here you it starts with him in his jail cell and uh, and he's powering himself up by killing all the other people in the cell as sacrifices as he does in the original story. It's not made explicit in the new issue, but that's where his power is derived from is killing all those other people. And then like something very strange, like the sort of teleporting through blood is something that is new for this story as opposed to the the past one it, it conveyed interestingly uh by the art team here of like having the kind of like bubble word balloons kind of appear in the blood and and have him kind of on this kind of road of blood as he said in 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 90 in issue 93 um but i agree with you i i think everything about this presentation of this character sells the threat, the SWAT team like racing outside of his cell, all the bodies and blood built up in in the jail. I think Menez's like brilliant yellow colors of the light gives him this like otherworldly cosmic thing. And he it's got his cryptic dialogue back from the original story he appeared in. Um, I mean, all of it sells like that. This guy is like a real threat, you know, even just like him, like saying magic words and the side of the building that Peter and Mary Jane live in are, are potentially moving in together, opening up, you know, it's dramatic, it's dramatic stuff and equally met by the level of power that Peter puts into trying to save Mary Jane there. You know, it's definitely like a standout how much the body slamming and like confidence, what well, I mean, even confidence, but like just pure, like antagonism towards uh Rabin that made it exciting to read. Now, I, I do want to jump on something you just said there, because it was something else I really appreciated about this, which was the fact that, like, you know, and and not to bait a certain segment of an online fan base, but like, you know, despite these the claims that, you know, Marvel doesn't 
care about Peter and Mary Jane together, one of the things that I really thought this issue captured was like, you know, I was I was immediately brought back to the period not so long ago where these two characters were together and very much in love and ready to move in with each other because of the way this whole sequence was framed. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was, you, you know, Peter was 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 rightfully ticked off, but also like defensive and, and protective because of, you know, the fact that MJ was was in danger. You know what I mean? And like, you know, and and, you know, it, I think it kind of made him elevate how he responded because you know because of the fact that he was trying to protect and 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 take care of MJ there uh you know he even makes the cracks the aside of like you know it's a nasty thing you just did to that woman's apartment especially when her boyfriend's about to move in you know what i mean like so it, <laughs> it, it, it felt it felt very much in that that moment and that emotion not that i necessarily expected them to but the fact of the matter was like i got no impression whatsoever that this was being written and and created by a team that does not care about the the relationship and the dynamics of these two main characters just you know like this 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 did not feel like the the love of a of peter and his sister <laughs> you know what I mean? like, absolutely and that's what's always like really baffled me about this whole thing is like like there was always something else that happened that like we are going to learn about. Like even in the opening of this where we're in the future, like MJ is committed. There's that image where Paul is leaving and 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 he says, like, you remember how this works? And she says, like, I remember. And she looks like terrified of what that means for her. Like we're going to find out what it is. Like this is not a like. I hate this marriage and want to undo it. Like they're telling a story here. I don't know where it's going to go ultimately, but there's something very dramatic happening. And all of this very consistent, I find, uh, with the characters as we're going to find out. And hopefully it sticks the landing. But even like the way that Zeb has written Peter in, in, in this run and during Beyond with his level of confidence. Like I loved when he had, you know, uh, Rabin pinned down and... <laughs> And he webs down his throat and beats him up and tells him, I'm not done talking, you know, as he's beating him. Like, that's the um, the like confident Spider-Man that uh, we have kind of slowly gotten and appearing in, in this book. As much as people want to complain about him, like asking for help when he's getting potentially killed by the vulture. Like, I, I think we've seen a more mature Spider-Man that can handle himself. And we're seeing it on the page here. Um, so it, it sold me on the threat. It sold me on the pacing, you know, and it sold me on the characters like I'm I'm on board this story. And this very much felt like a setup. And we're going to get to the really interesting stuff soon. I thought like for an intro, this is one of the strongest intros to a major story that we've gotten in a while. And I'm really excited. I can't wait two weeks to find out what happens next. Yeah. All I'm going to say is an exclamation point. You asked like, oh, what does this mean for Peter and MJ ultimately at the end of the day? And all I'm going to say is like, hey, man, Romeo and Juliet's considered one of the greatest love stories ever written. And the fact of the matter is it's not because those two characters end up happily ever after at the end. So like, you know, like, like it's, <laughs> that is just a fact of storytelling sometimes is that not everything gets wrapped up neatly. So, you know, let's just see where this goes. But yeah, like there is there's clearly emotion and feelings and stakes being attached to all of this here and how this is being written. I'm feeling all of that, it all comes out very clearly on the page. I agree with you. This is about as strong as an opening to an arc like this that you could ask for. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the art team, though, because I feel like they really delivered here as well. 
Yeah, I agree. Although with the caveat that JRJR just cannot draw kids. Like, can, can, oh, we, can uh. we acknowledge that just, just out of the gate? Like, who are these monsters? You know, <laughs> I could say the same about my own child, but whatever. I mean, okay, that's fair. Monster? So, okay, <laughs> the problem is, is that uh, JRJ is using Mark's son as a model. Is that is that is that the, is that the suggestion? No, no, uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> that's going uh, in, into the record books for posterity. Uh, never with my son. I I love oh, him too right, much. Right, right, right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait till it gets older, uh, Dan. Okay, so, you may have anyway. a minus one, but I have the love of my child. Mark. Oh, come on! <laughs> Talk about the art team. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that the, the, you know, we. What more is there to say about uh, JRJR here? I mean, like, I love the parallelism, you know, and, and that was probably a team effort. But like the way that he renders on the page, the opening, and then like. Whether it's him or Marcio Menez who is doing the kind of blurring of the motion when people are tackling each other, like th this this run has been full of Peter and and enemies slamming people's bodies horizontally across the page, and like sign me up if that's what all, all, all of what we get, you know, moving forward. Like he's really selling the like momentum of body movement on the page here and uh, you know and using the colors to reinforce that i mean just the shrapnel and the fallout of all these things and the subtle character work i i, I appreciate the hell out of it all right you want to give this thing a grade yeah i'm gonna give this one a b plus i'm gonna go higher than you dan i'm giving this an a minus i really liked how this kicked off this is probably my favorite issue of the run so far um, wow and yeah yeah i i just i i really even even though it's referring to a story that i'm kind of mixed on <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm, I'm 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 hooked on the concept here and and like you said i can't wait for two weeks which is not you know even in the issues i have really enjoyed over the course of this arc i i have not had this feeling of I got to find out what's next in a while here. And that's that's a really great feeling to be at as a reader and a fan here. A minus for me. Yeah. And I, I think I'm just kind of still a little like, uh, you know, how is this going to play out? Like, like, wait and see. Like uh, emotionally, I feel a little torn because I'm in two places. I'm like, I know how this plays out and I don't. You know, we haven't really talked about the twist ending of Zibalba. I'm like. I, 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 I got to admit, I'm a little wary of like Spider-Man, other dimensional stuff. I am still excited by all of that. I, I think like to me, this was like like kind of a solid expositional, uh, like kind of repeat of past themes. And I'm like ready for this. The next issues is to really show me something really, truly new. And, and that's where I'm going to probably give out my A grades, depending on how that that goes. So, yeah, all, all, all I'll add to that, Dan, is, you know, like we, we have been existing in a status quo that seems utterly absurd on its face. So, like, it, 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 it needs some kind of extraordinary explanation to how we got here. And I think from that standpoint, this issue has laid the groundwork to have that extraordinary explanation. I mean, where they go with it next remains to be seen. But like, I am now like completely hooked into the idea of like where this might be going because I feel like they're playing within a certain set of rules and, and they're following those rules. So I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, so that's, that's all I wanted to add to that. So. I mean, to think that we have what five more issues of this and two of which are double sized and we're moving this quickly into the setup of this is really promising. 
And, you know, we have been hoodwinked before, Mark, you know, uh, on, on these big stories. And we'll be the first to, like, eat a shoe if it if it goes south. But I and I think and you said something similar to this, I think, online, which is if this is pulled off and sells all of the promise of the setup, I think, like, you can argue about whether this was the right choice to like, you know, withhold this and, and that's going to still play out over the next few issues. But I think this has a real possibility to redeem a lot of the criticisms people have had of the Zeb Wells run up to this point, minus a, a few issues here and there and, and dark web, you know, and really make this like a standout run that launching into a second year of this without the mystery box hanging over this could could be a really exciting time to be reading Amazing Spider-Man, and I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, heck, even Roger Stern had Fool Killer, which I still defend, but you know, I'm just saying, like, not every issue could be gold, but I... Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, why, don't, why, don't, why don't we transition to the end the end times for our episode here, Dan? Sure, sure. Off to Zivalbo with us. <laughs> well, it is that time. Time for Zivalbo, but also time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on our Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews, the same week the comics release. You can get exclusive artwork and a ton of other bonuses, especially as Season 6 begins to roll out. So a thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that Mark and I do. But Plus, I wanted to issue a special thanks to our newest Patreon member, Joe Schulz, So thanks, Joe, for signing up and helping support what Mark and I do. To download our earliest episodes, including interviews with legendary creators like JMD, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Mark Bagley, and many, many more, subscribe to our amazing Spider Talk Back Issues podcast on on Apple Podcasts. And I will say, David uh, Michelinie's interview with us was recently uh, added to that feed. So if you want to go listen to one of our better interviews and one of the final podcast interviews David ever did, uh, go check out that uh, interview on the Amazing Spider Talk Back Issues podcast. I believe that was the interviewer I was referred to as a fanboy, Dan. So there you go. If you want to hear, if you want to hear a mischievous Mark be a fanboy... Go download that episode. Absolutely. Well, this podcast episode was edited by Rick Coast. The video version of the show is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galucki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. So, Mark, until Rabin gets himself a good barber, what's our motto? With great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next in-